girls, I, Ephesians, oh my gosh, I have been so excited to teach this. I can hardly stand it. I hope I can, I've prayed today that I can be real calm and collected and, but full of energy, <laughs> but calm down because I'm so excited about Ephesians. I've been studying it for five years. Maybe it's almost six, but that doesn't mean I do that every day. I'll pick it up and I might put it down for months or even a year, unfortunately, but I've been um, messing with it for over five or six years. I can't remember which. And and I thought this, Bobby, after prayer, we were talking, what, what, is there anything that could come after that? And I thought, good grief, I've invested a lot of time in Ephesians. Why don't I do Ephesians? Um, I want to be honest with you. We're going to do one chapter of Ephesians a week. If you know anything about Ephesians, you will already know. And if you don't know, then you're fixing to know. Um, Ephesians, if a pastor decided, you know what? I'm going to teach Ephesians line by line for our church, and we're going to do that this year, it might take him at no less than six months, could take up to two years. So for me to cover one chapter a week is, is um, it would be kind of like going to a buffet somewhere, you know, with chicken fried steak and gravy and fried chicken and catfish, you know, all of that, and you'd just be going, oh my gosh, I just think I'm going to throw up. So we might have a spiritual throw up feeling when we, when we, when, but that's good. I hope you chew, I hope you get so much ingested each week, especially this week. This chapter is incredible. Um, but I hope you get so much that you literally are just chewing on it and pondering it and thinking about it all week long. Does everybody have paper? Do you need some paper to write on? Okay, so we've got handouts. So are these associated? Are these associated? So who, needs, who needs paper? So... Um, you, these are the handouts, so you can write on the back of the handout. We're not going to do the handouts till the end. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. This was done so well. So there's three sets there, Tracy. Yes, ma'am. Oh, does anybody know the Wi-Fi? You know what? We'll just pass out the. Why don't y'all? We'll just pass them out, and everybody has it. But don't read them yet, please. Do you need one? Okay. Okay. Is everybody listening? Because I think we're trying to overtalk each other. Ms. Karen is saying that we need to sign up for refreshments. And so she has spoken, and y'all better listen. All righty. Let's just start in prayer. My blouse is too big. Um, Lord, thank you so so much for your word. You have not left us wondering what, who you are, what you're doing. You have clearly told us who you are, what you've done, what you will do, what you are doing. You've told us who we are. You've told us who we were. 
you've given us this amazing book. And Lord, I thank you so much that I don't have to depend on myself today to teach this amazing truth. Your spirit will do that. So I just thank you in advance that your spirit is with us and with me and has filled me and empowered me and made me capable and able to teach your word. I do pray that you'd give us ears to hear the truth today and hearts to receive all of this information, Lord. You know how much it is. Please give us recall, Lord, to Remember what we heard and whatever it is, Lord, that you want to work in the heart of any woman here. I'm just thanking you in advance that you will call to her mind what you want her to know specifically, what might change her and be, uh, cause her to be uh, victorious and new in Christ. Just, Lord, we're counting on you to do everything we need today, and I thank you so much for that. And I just ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So anybody, if y'all have cells, would you either turn them off or would you turn them down where they won't ring? I did mine already. And if y'all remember before, those of you that have been here and those of you that haven't, I don't mind if you get up. I, don't, I wouldn't even see you probably if you walked right in front of me. I don't know why, but I don't. But a cell phone will completely disrupt me and I'll kind of stop for a few minutes trying to remember where I was. It's kind of weird, but that's my thing. Girls, Ephesians chapter 1 is going to remind you that our lives, our universe, our salvation, everything, everything that has to do with our eternal lives is all about God and all about Jesus, all about the Spirit. It is not about us. If you have any idea that you that that somehow your life in Christ has anything to do with you you got another thing coming Betty because <laughs> it's not and that that's what's going to make this first chapter so amazing and and it's all about a relationship our God is relationship oriented he didn't want a lot of robots or a lot of workers for him he didn't need a crew he wanted children he wanted children to love him and, and children that he could love and that he could lavish with everything a father wants to do for his children. That's what Ephesians is about, especially chapter 1 is about. It's, it's just almost too good to be true. The way we're going to do it is go line by line, believe it or not, word by word. I'm going to define the words for you. So when I say the definition is... That is the Greek definition. That's the original language definition. If it's from Webster's, I'll tell you. Webster says the word such and such is defined. So if I just tell you the definition is, you can always count on the fact that is the Greek, okay? I read from New American Standard. Just, that's a really good question. And I, I do want, that's a, I'm glad you asked that. I want to give you Bible study tips along the way. I'm not, um, there's so many ways to study the Bible. So I, I don't have a corner on the market, but I would love to share how, in fact, I brought um, this amazing book that I love. It, it, I, I found out the beauty of this book in precepts. Jan, you're welcome to sit up here if you want. You're good? Okay. Um, so I have my, gosh, that's rickety. Okay. Um, I have my little notebook of how I, um, these are my notes of how I study. You're welcome to just flip through it. Seriously, you know, it won't be weird if you just walk up and start looking around at how I do that. Uh, again, I'm, I'm 
it's just my way. It's what I've developed. Part of it's from precepts and part of it's from Anne Graham Lott. So I'm going to just share different things along the way. Speaking of New American Standard, that is prob that and New King James. I, I like New King James instead of the original, but uh, New American Standard and New King James is probably closer to the original language. You get another version, like I love reading the New International Version, but that's not you're going to miss some, some word um, definitions there. You're going to get a, a different meaning. Uh, it's not real off. It's not very off, like, oh, gosh, you should not read that. That's not what I mean. I just mean you're going to get a closer translation with the New American Standard. Uh, that's a very good one, too. Yes, that's a really And that's your new Bible, right? Yeah. Yes, I like, I like your new Bible. Did somebody ask me something or say something? Okay. Okay, I'm going to read the first eight chapters. Paul, eight verses. Thank you. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, that's true. There is something strange now that I'm older. I say what I don't mean. Like, let's all go to lunch Thursday. And what I mean is Saturday. And I don't know why it comes out that way. But if you, if you detect that I have said something that isn't true, please say, did you really mean that? Um, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us oh my gosh this these verses kill me they just slay me First of all, Paul is an apostle by the will of God. Remember, everything, everything is about the will of God. Paul didn't wake up one morning and think, you know what, I've heard about these 12 disciples. I think I'm going to be a, a disciple or an apostle and just, you know, change my ways. God willed that. God ordained that. God interrupted Paul uh, on the road one day and blinded him uh, literally, physically, but enlightened him mentally and spiritually to the truth that's found in Jesus Christ. And Paul says, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Where does grace and peace come from? According to this verse. From God our Father. Grace is God's unmerited favor. You didn't deserve it. You can't earn it. He is giving it to you. Grace, oh grace, 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 amazing grace. And peace, I love this definition, is the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ and fears nothing from God and is content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is. If you want me to repeat something, just raise your hand. Peace is the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ and fears nothing from God. 
love that. Mm. And is content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is. That's the definition. Laura, you are welcome to sit right up front. Hello, Miss Judy. Oh, how sweet. Oh, okay. I thought you meant Nan. <laughs> um, yes, y'all just get comfy however you like to. I rejoice to know that in eternity we will never have conflict. Is, is anybody, who is not on Facebook, raise your hand. Who is not on Facebook? Okay, so the majority of us are on Facebook. And if you're not on there, don't ever, just don't worry with that. Don't ever get that. <sighs> My goodness, just don't even bother. There's no peace on Facebook. There's no peace on Facebook. I... There is no peace on Facebook. All the conflict and, you know, I, I made a comment the other day and some man posted, lady, you need to get a clue. And I was like, wow, really? You don't even know me. But um, there's no peace. And there's no peace in our world. There is just all of this conflict. There is going to be peace for all of eternity because of what Jesus Christ did for us. Can you even imagine that? And while we wait for that to happen, there is peace right here and right now for us in Christ, no matter what our circumstances are. We can count on that. We can count that as our treasure. Verse 3 says, We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And I love this verse. The word blessed means that God intervened and acted so that we would be conformed to his spirit. He intervened and acted so that we would be conformed to his spirit. Webster's defines intervene as to interrupt, to cut off, to terminate. God basically cut off, cut you off from your previous life that was going to result in eternal death. Galatians 2.20 says, We were crucified with Christ. That is, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So my life was terminated. When I put my faith in Christ, my old life was terminated. God interrupted it. He terminated it. He brought me out of spiritual death and corruption, that state of wasting away. He ended that. He terminated it. And so he blessed me. Why? So that I could be conformed to his spirit. So that you would be conformed to his spirit. Here's what Webster's defines conform as. To make you the same as. To be in agreement with. Picture in your mind the person that you love being with. Because you are always, quote unquote, on the same page. Can you, do you have somebody like that? I was talking to Laura yesterday and just said, you know, we're, we're always on the same page. Plus, when she orders food off a menu, it's always what I want. So I love for her to just order for me because it's going to be what I love because we are the same. We're always in agreement about what to eat <laughs> and many other things, many other things. But does that make sense? So he wanted to intervene and cut us off from our old way so that now we're going to be in perfect unity with God through his son, Jesus Christ. We have that capacity now. That is amazing. 
And a life conformed to God's spirit is a life that always agrees with what God's done. Now, says and does. That doesn't mean we always do that. You and I both know we don't do that. Um, it says that we're blessed, but we can do that. We have the power to do that. And we keep growing in our salvation so that we can agree with what God says. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing. Blessings are blessings that pertain to the Holy Spirit. So what might those be? The fruit of the Spirit. Do you know the fruit of the Spirit? Can you say it by heart? Say it with me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We, we all got it. Maybe it wasn't the same order. That, that's ours. Those are our spiritual blessings. What do you need today? Would it be comfort? Would it be strength? Would it be power? Would it be hope? Would it be conviction for sin? That's a spiritual blessing. You've got whatever it is you need in Christ. You have that today. You have it every day. You have it every second of every minute of every hour of every day because that's one of your blessings in Christ. That's amazing. And how many blessings do we have? What does the text say? All. Every. All or every. I want to give you the definition for the word all. It means all. <laughs> oh, Y'all were ready, weren't you? <laughs> Listen, I want you to think about this. When, you, when we talk about God, when, we, when the word of God reveals God to us, or the spirit to us, or the ways of God, or Jesus to us, it's always in superlatives. It's never with anything less than a superlative. It's never God gives you some spiritual blessings. God loves you a little. God loves you a lot. No, it's all love, all grace, all spiritual blessings. It's always a superlative when it is referring to God. There's nothing on this planet. I, none of us could say, my children are always good. My husband is always wonderful. Well, mine mostly is. But God, that's not, God is never mediocre. I, I love that. We have access to all that is found in Jesus. Picture a Sam's or a Costco, and they're just rows of rows of rows of rows. And what if you could just go in there and get whatever it is you wanted off those shelves? We have a grace warehouse. Just picture unlimited sources of love, unlimited sources of um, mercy, unlimited sources of whatever it is you need. That's what your spiritual blessings are. You just take whatever you need out of Jesus himself. It's not a new improved version of your strength. It's his strength in you. That's, that's incredible. Verse 4 says, He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Ladies, the, this, we are so blessed in this area to look around us at the mountains and the wildlife and the people. I mean, this is really an incredible area. Carol and I don't have that in Dallas, do we? I mean, cement and noise and, oh my gosh, and what? Heat. Oh my gosh. People have been sending me little pictures of their rearview mirror and it's like 114. Somebody sent that to me. 114 degrees and it's humid. Oh. Never have a good hair day in Texas with heat like that. Uh, 
But before he made all these things and people that we love, before he did all that, before he made the trees and the birds and the mountains and the, these amazing things, before he did all that, he chose us to be in him. In Genesis, it says he, he made the earth and he made the waters and, you know, we got this great description going. But before he did that, before he did all of that, he already had chosen you. That's amazing. I want to tell you what the definition of choose is. And I gave it to y'all if you came to the prayer thing. And I love this definition. I, I love this definition. It means preference given by the one choosing. Let's say I'm the one choosing. So the word choose means preference given by the one choosing. For the one chosen. Preference given by the one choosing for the one chosen. And the choice was made out of many other possible choices. And the choice was made for a relationship. Does that make sense? With that word is used, Jesus chose his disciples. He chose 12. He prayed all night before he chose them. He didn't just say, you know what? I need 12 volunteers. Who wants to follow me around for three years and then spend the rest of their lives uh, you know, doing what I told you to do and then die. A oh, terrible death. Would you just raise your hand? You know, he didn't do that. He didn't just think, I'm going to go on age and quality, give me a resume, and then I'll choose. He, he prayed all night, and he chose them very specifically. And he chose them, think about this. He chose Judas. That didn't make any sense to me. I wouldn't choose a traitor to be in my inner group. He did. He knew that. He knew what Judas would do. That's incredible. So the word choice is not something random. It's very, very specific. He chose us to be blameless and holy. I want to be blameless and holy. And that's what he chose me for. He didn't choose me for <clears throat> some, some horrible purpose. He chose me to be what I already want to be. The word blameless means without blemish. I like having no blemishes. And my 10 times power mirror Reveals lots of blemishes. <laughs> oh, I can't see without it. So I get to see all the wrinkles. But God is, is making us through Jesus blemish free. The synonym is unblameable, guiltless, irreproachable, not chargeable in court, just, upright, uncondemned. I love that. He wants us to, he chose us to be holy. That means morally pure. He, that's what he chose us for. And who makes us blameless and holy? It's Jesus. He did the work and he continues to do the work so that you and I can be holy and blameless before him. Jude 24 and 25. Jude has no chapters, just verses. Jude 24 and 25 says this. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling... And to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless, with great joy. This is all about Jesus. It isn't saying, Debbie, because you are able to really be good and morally pure, you're going to stand before him blameless one day. No. It says he's able to present me to himself blameless and holy. It's all about Jesus. It's not about us. It's not about works. It's about what Jesus does through grace. Verse 5, 
In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. In love, the word means affectionate regard, goodwill. It means that God gives you what you need, not necessarily what you want. It's love that gives you what you need, not necessarily what you want. It's the love a parent has. Surely you don't let your child just stay up to all hours and do drugs because you want to give him what he needs, not necessarily what he wants. That's the love God has for us. The word predestined means to determine or decree beforehand. He determined and decreed beforehand that you would be adopted, that you would be his daughter, that you would be his child, and that he would be your father. I want to talk to you a minute about these two words, chosen and predestined. Remember the definition of chosen. It means that I choose you with a preference for relationship. And then now we find the definition of predestined. It means to determine and decree beforehand, right? Boy, these are deep words, girls. These are really, really deep words. Um, there's various aspects to this, these words, chosen and predestined. There are uh, religions based on these doctrines of being chosen and predestined. Um, some you may have heard of Calvinists believe in predestination. Reformed theology would believe in uh, predestination. Um, <clears throat> I want to give you just some thoughts here. Um, our, our salvation is multifaceted. It has got so many components. I don't know if some of you grew up and maybe at six years of age, when you were just a little innocent girl, um, your next door neighbor um, just invited you to vacation Bible school. Just coincidentally, she said, hey, you want to come to vacation Bible school with me? And you said, well, sure. Okay, well, I'll get our mama to take us, my mama to take us. And so at that vacation Bible school, you came to know Jesus Christ and you've been a Christian ever since. That wasn't a coincidence. It had nothing to do with your neighbor. It was because God chose you. God predestined you. Now bear with me here. I'm saying some really big words and some big, huge um, doctrines. Um, but it also says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you'll be saved. So not only were we chosen and predestined, but there's also, we have the part to believe, right? 2 Peter 3.9 says, okay, we're talking about predestination, that God selected you beforehand. Um, what does that mean? That he selected, I'm going to select these five people, but I'm not going to select these five people. Is that, is that the way it was? I don't know, but here's what I do know. 2 Peter 3.9 says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. Here's the best part. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, it's by grace through faith that you've been saved. So how am I saved? Well, I'm saved by grace through faith. I'm saved because I'm chosen. I'm saved because I'm predestined. There's a definition in my Bible. It says God has determined beforehand that those who believe in Christ will be adopted into his family. That's a good way to say it. And conform to his son. It involves a, cho a choice on his part. It is done in love. It is based on the good pleasure of his perfect will. Its purpose is to glorify God. 
but it does not relieve man of his responsibilities to believe the gospel in order to bring to pass personally God's predestination, which is adoption of sons. Girls, this is, um, say that again. This is verse 1-5. So I'm just, here's what I want to point out. Here's what I want to leave you with. I don't want us to, as we read any of God's word, not just these verses, but anything in God's word, as we study it and delve into it, let's not fall back on, well, no, I didn't know, I don't believe that. It, well, if it says it, we better believe it. You, do you see where I'm going with that? Now, what does that mean? I've given you the definitions, but then there's other facets of that. It does require faith. In this particular passage, here's what I want to leave you with. This is multifaceted. Can I, would I stand on a soapbox and say, look, you were chosen and some of you weren't. That's just the way it is. I'm not going to do that. Um, What does it mean he chose and he predestined, but that we need faith? I don't know. But my God is, this is Debbie speaking now. But my God's so big and so multifaceted and so perfect and is so kind and is so loving and is so trustworthy and is so faithful. I don't care how he does it. Now that's me. You may not feel that way. You may feel like, gosh, I need to really understand this. Well, then go, go learn it. There's lots of sermons you could listen to and figure it out for yourself. Here's what's important to me. And I'm going to argue over this. I would stand on a soapbox. I would fight to the death over this. There is one way to be saved, my precious friend, and it's through Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. So I've come to the Father. How did I get there? Well, it involved predestination. It involved choosing. It involved faith. And I'm fine with that, that I don't completely understand it. Sharon Wilmington makes a great dessert called Death by Chocolate. And she puts it in a trifle dish. If, or do you know what a trifle dish is? It's a cylinder, it's glass, and it's on a pedestal. It's real pretty. So you put these wonderful desserts that are layered. So you see, you know, all the strawberries, all the cake, all the whipped cream, all the nuts. You know, are you with me there? So Sharon's has, listen to this, it has brownies and chocolate pudding and toffee and whipped cream. I'm telling you, it is so fabulous. So I'm going to call our salvation a trifle dish dessert. It's got all these layers. And if I, if, I gave, if I scooped it out and was giving you Sharon's dessert, you might go and I might say, what's in the dessert? What? Laura may say, oh my gosh, this is chocolate pudding and whipped cream. And somebody over here might say, no, 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 it's toffee and brownies and a little whipped cream. And she might say, no, no, it's a lot of whipped cream, girlfriend. And somebody else might say, well, it's only chocolate pudding because it just comes out, you know, do you see what I'm saying? You're not gonna, may, you may not get all four components in your, in your scoop. So I'm just trying to say salvation is an amazing multifaceted thing. And here's, here's my take on it. We need to be amazed at this. We need to be blown completely away. And it's okay to know and believe and understand. Girls, you were chosen. I don't know about you, but I was the kid, the leader's the team leaders for any sport would fight over me. They fought because they did not want Debbie Dittrich on their team. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was so uncoordinated. I was an only child. My dad was dead. I didn't know anything about sports. And I'm not kidding. There would be literal fights. No, I took her last time. No, I took her last time. No, you have to take her this time. And I would just stand there like, okay, nobody wants me. You know what? God wanted me. God chose me. And he predestined, he wanted me to be his daughter. 
And I love that. And so I don't understand it all. I'm not going to take a stand on that. I'm going to take a stand on Jesus Christ as the only way to get to God. There is no other way to be saved except through Jesus. But how I got, it's kind of like flying to California. I can get on a plane today, fly to California. I could not tell you to save my life how I got there and how that plane, jet fuel, and all those, that stuff. I just got there. I don't know. I got on a plane and I got there. I arrived here. I, I can't explain that to you. No idea how it works. I don't even want to know. It's too complicated. Don't bore me with those details. So, there you go. Adoption. I love this. Adopt, the word adoption means all the rights of a natural born child. I love that. All the rights of a natural born child. I, uh, for some reason, I'm finding myself teared up a little bit. <clears throat> I had this, I was an only child, <clears throat> sorry. And um, both of my parents were alcoholics. My dad died when I was 11. So, man, you talk about fighting and hollering and screaming and ranting and raving. And then my dad would get in his car and zoom off. And he, he might be gone for an hour, but he might be gone for two weeks. So, I grew up very insecure and I was very odd. Um, I really was, you know, just lost in my own little thoughts. I didn't, nobody explained anything to me. I had to come up with my own version of the world, and I didn't come to the right conclusions, believe it or not. Believe it or not. Um, <clears throat> it's very dysfunctional. But one of the things as a little girl that I thought, I, I decided I must be not loved. And my parents must hate me. I mean, this, this is honestly, I'm not exaggerating this. I thought my parents must hate me so much that that these people here that look like my parents are really just puppets and that my real parents are on the roof because they don't want to live in the same house with me but they're guiding and controlling these puppets to make me absolutely miserable isn't that just the weirdest I'm, I'm telling you I'm telling you it's certifiable strange you know that's so weird that is so bizarre um, but adoption is different and there are terrible adoption stories but our story as the daughter of Christ is not terrible. I want to talk to you about adoption. My, I have two children, <clears throat> a girl and a son, a daughter and son. They had oops babies. My one son wanted one child and his wife worked on him for two years, three years, four years, to have another child. And, and just by the hair of her chinny chin chin, as they say, she, he agreed, okay, we'll have one more, but that's it. Well, that's not what happened. They had a third one, a little girl. They had two boys and then this adorable little girl. And then my daughter, they had two children. They worked very hard to have those. It, they, she couldn't get pregnant very easily, and that was going to be it. And that was not God's plan. They had an oops baby. Little Owen came with his little brown curls. <clears throat> they, you know, but nobody adopts an oops baby. You've never opened your door and seen a little baby one day sitting on your doorstep all wrapped up in swaddling clothes and said, oh, oops, honey, honey, there's a baby on our doorstep. I guess we got to adopt it. I mean, that's not the way that works, right? There's a plan. There's a lot of talking. There's a lot of preparing. There's a lot of hope. Now, again, all adoption stories don't end well. Very terrible, disastrous. But for God's, for these purposes, God planned for you, sweetie. You were not oops with him. And not only that, you know, as parents, we, we kind of try to make a plan at least until 18 or at least until 22 so we can get them through college. And then, you know what? We're, we're like done. And millennials nowadays don't want to leave. Y'all probably heard a few weeks ago the guy, that 30-year-old, oh my gosh, I don't, that, how crazy is that? Didn't want to leave because he played games all day and stayed with his parents. And they went to court to get him out of their house. 
I mean, it's insane. You know, because they were done. Hey, we've supported you as long as we're going to support you. How long does God want to support you? Till the end of eternity, which never comes because eternity has no end. He's planned for you today. He planned for you on the cross for all your sins to be covered. He's planning for you tomorrow. He's got provisions for you for the next day until the end of eternity. He never wants to kick you out. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He's planned very carefully for you to be his daughter. Our spiritual adoption is amazing. And he did that with kind intentions. I love this word. It means good pleasure. Implying a gracious purpose. With the idea of showing the willingness with which it's been made. Does that just kill you? God is willing. He's gracious. He's got a gracious purpose. See, when we talk about predestination and choosing, we have to take the whole... I've heard people say, oh, no, no, I don't believe in predestination. I couldn't believe in a God that would choose some and not others. Well, your very words that is coming out of your mouth is telling me you haven't really read all the scriptures because God wouldn't do that. God has kind intentions and good pleasure and willingness towards us. So I don't know how predestination works, but I assure you it's not some cavalier, austere, hateful God. I don't... I don't I, don't, I can't explain it all to you, but I can tell you he's got kind intentions. Kind intentions. We should ponder. Do you ever ponder God's kind intentions towards you? Because we should. Does your girlfriend or your husband or your child do something sweet for you? Showing kind intentions. Hey, mom, you're going to the doctor today. I, I, can I take you? I want to be with you today. You might hang up the phone and go, Wow. She loves me. That was so kind. That's so kind. She thought of me and wants to be with me. That's how we ought to think about God. He has kind intentions towards us. Can I tell you something? Yes. Yes. First of all, I'm adopted, so I look up to things about that. But in Jewish law, you're, you are allowed to disown a, a natural-born child. But you are not allowed to disown an adopted child. Oh, wow. Excuse me, but I want it to be recorded. So. Oh, I'm not trying to kiss you. <laughs> Hello. Um, so they had that understanding when this was spoken to them that this was a choice by God to make us his adopted sons and daughters because that could never be broken. Oh. Where a natural child could be disowned. Wow. Just wow. Did everybody hear that? No? Okay, so the word adoption in the Jewish custom was you could then, when the Jewish people heard the word adopted, here's the meaning they understood. That a, a, a natural born child could be disowned. But if you in the Jewish custom adopted a child, that was it. You could never disown that child. It was forever. So the word adopted in the Jewish culture, was it, they knew what that meant. That, that relationship would never end, could never end. Unrevocable. And then there's covenant, which maybe I'll work that into one of our lessons because that's very important. It's the same. You cannot revoke covenant. God made a covenant with us, and Jesus shed his blood on the cross to fulfill that covenant. There's always the shedding of blood in a covenant. Did you make a pinky promise with, or a blood brother 
pact with someone when you were little maybe we used to do that prick fingers and you know squash your blood together um, <clears throat> that's that's actually covenant and it means your blood your life is mine and my life is now yours and this is unto death that's what covenant means so it's it's you cannot revoke it so God saved us and planned for us to be saved and he was thrilled to do it thrilled to do it because he had kind intentions verse 6 says to the praise of the glory of his grace which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved grace is God's unmerited and unearned favor it's the absolutely free expression of the loving kindness of God to man finding its only motive in the bounty and benevolence of the giver it's all about God it's not about us and I want to read this part of the definition. Grace, when received by faith, transforms man and causes him to love and to seek after the righteousness of God. Grace, the word in, in Greek is charis. I love that name, that word charis. If I was young enough to have a little daughter, I think I might name her charis. Charis is initially regeneration, the work of the Holy Spirit in which life is given to man and by which his nature is brought under the dominion of righteousness. This is really good. The maintenance of this condition requires unbroken and immense supplies of grace, meaning unconditional gift of God. So for us to be sanctified, to become this becoming righteous, holy and blameless, it requires unbroken immense supplies of grace yes ma'am charis uh, is initially regeneration the work of the holy spirit in which life is given to man and by which his nature is brought under the dominion of righteousness c-h-a-r-i-s so in these definitions, this is where I get them. And so, you know, sometimes it's a paragraph, sometimes it's pages. So this is where I pulled it in. Uh, Spiros is his first name, S-P-I-R-O-S. Zodiatus, Z-O-D-H-I-A-T, like Tom, E-S. And this is the Complete Word Study Dictionary, New Testament. Um, you can get it, I would go to Amazon and get a used one. That's what I do because they're about $40 or $50 new. This is my treasure. I got his same book for the Old Testament, but I don't love those definitions as much. But this one just, oh my gosh, I love it. Mm, I love this. Um, I learned this in precept Bible study. Um, that this, so so when, you're, when I study, what I do is write out the verse. And then I used to go, you know what a concordance is? So then I'd look up those words in the concordance, another big book, and I'd put the numbers of the, the Greek word over the, um, let me find a place where I've done that. So I write out the verse, and above the word raised, then I write the number 4891, Above seated, I have 4776. Above heavenly, I have 2032, and so on and so forth. And then I just go to my little book, and I look up 2032 and 4779, etc. Now I go to uh, Blue Letter Bible. You, Bible Hub, any of those will give you the, the, the number from the concordance, so I don't mess with that other big book. 
But I do love this book if you want to study God's word. And that's how I've studied Ephesians. I just go through almost every word and write the definition out. Because then my eyes are open to the magnificence. It's so multi-layered. It's not just this flat. It's three-dimensional. It just pops out. <clears throat> Blueletterbible.org probably. But you can just Google Blue Letter Bible. And so I, I use it on my phone. I use it on my computer. And you can put in the verse and, and what, um, or, or just a word. So you could put in grace. And then you can choose what um, version of the Bible you want that to come up in. I like New American Standard. Um, it doesn't matter. Um, and then it's going to give you all the places where grace is found. Does that make sense? Or you could put in Ephesians uh, chapter 1 verse 5. And it will come up. You also, if you're going to do that, you also need to know this. The word grace isn't a good example, but I'm going to use it because we've been talking about grace. If I looked up verses, if all the verses with the word grace came up on Blue Letter Bible, all the, all the verses that have the word grace would come up. But if you go to the tools, it's going to tell you the number. So the number, let's say it's 1,500 for grace. Um, it may not, that word grace and all these other verses may not be literally the definition we're using right here. Does that make sense? Or the word predestined or choosing. I've given you the definition of choosing, but every time you see the word choose, that's not the definition I gave you. It, may, it could mean something else. Does that make sense? So that makes it very interesting to see, well, where, how else is this word used? Anyway, that's just a little Bible study tip. Grace is mentioned 12 times in just these six chapters. That's huge. I looked it up and it was used 18 times in the book of Romans, but that's, I think, 13 or 15 chapters. So we've only got six chapters here and grace is used 12 times. And any time a word is repeated over and over again, that means it's very, very, very important. So Ephesians is all about grace. You cannot exhaust God's grace. You cannot earn his grace. You cannot live the life of righteousness without his grace. In fact, the righteous man lives by faith. That's Hebrews 10.38. Faith in what? God's grace. Literally, the man who thinks today. When I got up, I thought, Lord, your grace, I'm going to be able to teach this today because of your grace. You've called me to teach. You've empowered me to teach. You're going to give me that grace today. So I'm a woman that lived by faith this morning. And guess what? God calls that righteousness. He said, that's right, Debbie. So today, you know what? You're living out righteousness that I gave you in Christ, in my son. So he wants us to live not by works, believing in ourselves or what we're doing, but in him. And that's why we need to understand grace so we will understand there is always, you know how we get a weather report? Maybe you do that every day. I want to see if it rains. I'm in that place. I want to see, is it going to rain today, please, Lord? Guess what? Do you want a grace report every day? I'll tell you what, it, I, I, it's already established. There will be a tsunami of grace coming your way today. It's going to wash over you, wash you away, touch everybody in its path because grace is lavish. We're going to talk about that in a minute. I can't wait. Uh, verse 6 says that God freely bestows this grace on you. I love this word, freely bestows. It means highly favored. Highly favored. It's only used twice in the New Testament. And guess where the other place it was used? It spoke of the Virgin Mary. In Luke 1.28, when the angel declared the Virgin Mary to be highly favored or approved by God. 
God highly favors us, therefore he gave us grace. God highly favored Mary, so he um, planted, if you will, Jesus into her womb. In the religion I grew up in, it was, I was taught that Mary was special and unique and there was no one like her. I actually honored Mary. I wanted to be like her. I wanted to be pure enough to be chosen by God for something. But that's not biblical. Mary was never said to be without sin in the Bible. It says that nowhere. In fact, Romans 3.23 says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that would include Mary. Thank you so much for doing that. Um, but, but we are highly favored to receive grace. Do you see the correlation? Mary was highly favored to be chosen to be the mother of Jesus, but we're highly favored to receive grace. That's just as highly favored as Mary was to give birth to Jesus. In fact, because of grace, you can give birth, so to speak, to Jesus every single day. Do you understand that? Jesus is in your heart by salvation. And so I can give birth to him. I can show him to everyone around me all day long because I've been highly favored by grace and I carry Jesus in my heart. We are the temple of God. It's, it's too much to wrap my head around. It's just too good to be true. And that's why Paul said in verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. The phrase to the praise of the glory is used three times in Ephesians. It's used here in verse chapter 1, verse 6, chapter 1, verse 12, and chapter 1, verse 14. And to the praise of his glory, let me define the word glory for you. And this is a simple definition. If, when I first looked glory up in this book right here, it was pages and pages long. I don't remember how many, but three or four. And I was just like, what? Are you, what? How do I even get the definition out of this? I had to really dig for that. And here's what I came up with after looking at many different sources. Glory is God's holiness. God's holiness is all, here's another superlative, all of his perfections. So glory is God's perfections, all of them, on display. Does that make sense? So sometimes when he appears, his, he's surrounded with light, his glory, and people just fall on their faces. Why is that? Because they're overwhelmed with all of his perfection. They cannot even look at him. They have to fall on their faces. That's what his glory is. But it's not necessarily a light, although, yes, it appears as a light sometimes. But glory is all of his perfections so that he will be worshipped for his perfections. So on a really weak day, something terrible happens to me, a tragedy happens to me, but I am praying and I'm expecting the tsunami of grace which God will give me, and he strengthens me. And so you come over to see me in my greatest hour of need, and you're blown away because of the strength in me. And what does it cause you to do? Give glory to God. You don't go away saying, man, Debbie is something. I'm telling you what, that Texas girl is something. She's just got strength. Come, just oozing out of her pores. It's amazing. Plus good hair. So, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you go away saying, how in the world did she have that strength today? I know how she had it. It's G I think I saw Jesus in her. I want to give you glory, dear God, for what I saw in her. Do you see what I'm saying? That's the picture of glory. It's all of God's perfections on display. 
That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, in my weakness, his power is perfected. Not an improved version of my weakness, but his power is perfected. In fact, that's why he said, you know what? I'm, I'd rather boast about my weaknesses that his power would dwell in me. Paul's content with having no power so that God's power will be shown because that glorifies God. In verse 7, it says, In Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. The word redemption means deliverance by a ransom paid. Jesus paid the ransom in his blood and delivered us from our sins. Webster's defines redemption as the redeeming or release of a captive by the payment of money. We were a captive released because of the payment made in the blood of Jesus Christ. I love how Colossians describes this um, redemption. It's Colossians 2, 13 and 14. It says, And when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Here we go with another superlative. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he took it out of the way and nailed it to the cross. That's the picture of redemption. Verse 8 says... According to the riches of his grace, he lavished upon us. His grace is true riches. It's true abundance. I love the word lavish. It means abundant, to be in excess, to have more than enough. To be abundant, to be in excess, to have more than enough. That's what grace is. Webster's defines lavish as very generous, liberal in giving or spending, often extravagantly so, more than enough, very abundant, prodigal. Here we have the word prodigal. What does the word prodigal mean? Exceedingly or recklessly wasteful. Extremely generous, lavish, extremely abundant, profuse, a person who wastes his means, a spendthrift, extravagant, excessive, unrestrained. Ponder those words. You and I are lavished with God's grace. He's excessive. He's abundant. He's extravagant. He's prodigal. It's amazing. He's like a loved, crazed lover who never stops giving to the one he loves. He pours out his grace and his blessings continually, excessively, without restraint. If we sin one day and completely ignore him and his will and his help, but come back the next day needing him, he will be faithful. Though we're faithless, that's who he is. He doesn't require that we work our way back to him or earn his favor again. He doesn't cross his arms saying, okay, okay, I'm hearing you want to come back, but you got to prove it to me. You know what? I'm sick and tired of this mess. I've heard this so many times I can't even stand it. We'll see. We'll see, baby. Have to prove it to you. No. Oh, honey, you're back again. I love it. I'm going to be excessive to you. I will not stop giving to you. And his grace is always freely given. This lavish grace is freely given. I give things, but I don't necessarily do it freely. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'd love to bring you dinner tonight. Let me do that. So it sounds like I'm freely giving it. And then I spend the rest of the day cooking and buying groceries and doing all that. And, and it's not so freely given. I'm like, what in the world was I thinking? 
I love Sally, but I'm tired. I didn't want to cook all day. What was I thinking? But when I show up to her house, how will I do it? I won't go, here's your stupid meal. I'm going to pretend it's freely given. Oh, Sally, here's the food I made for you. And she's going to go, oh, my gosh, fresh bread, homemade bread. Did you just homemade? Oh, it smells so good. I'm so excited. You shouldn't have done this. And what would I say? Oh, it was nothing. It was nothing, which is such a lie. <laughs> but God freely gives. He doesn't ever say, you know, I could have had a V8. He doesn't ever hit his forehead and go, what was I thinking? I could have withheld my love from her. He always freely gives. We are blessed. We are chosen. We're loved. We're adopted. We're redeemed. We're forgiven. And we're lavished with grace. There's a handout you have. And I really suggest that you memorize this or at least ponder it. This is who you are. This is who your God is. Tape it to your mirror. Tape it. Write it on a three-by-five card. Put it on your dashboard of your car and on your mirror in the bathroom and on your whatever. Just remember who you are. You're blessed, chosen, loved, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, and lavished with grace. Verses 8 and 9 says that he lavished in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to the kind intention which he purposed in him. It's all about Jesus. He had a kind intention to us, and he talks about this mystery. This is a sacred mystery. And here it refers to the calling of the Gentiles. That's us, the non-Jew. The mystery is that God was not only going to save the Jewish people, he's going to save you and me, the non-Jew. No one knew that mystery. It was revealed to Paul. That was his ministry to go to the Gentile to preach the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. We're fellow heirs with the Jew who are partakers of the gospel of Christ. The word mystery is also found in several places, some of which are Romans 16.25, Ephesians 3.9, Ephesians 6.19, Colossians 1.26 and 27, and Colossians 4.3. Do you marvel at your salvation? You should. It's a mystery that was hidden and now revealed. We should walk around in awe and wonder at our salvation. Verse 1-9 says, He made known to us the mystery of his will according to the kind intention which he purposed in him. The kind intention is the good pleasure that we talked about earlier. The gracious purpose, the idea of willingness which, with which it was made. He was willing to bless us, willing to choose us, willing to adopt us, willing to redeem us, willing to die for us, willing to forgive us, willing to lavish us with grace. Not only that, he did so with wisdom and sound judgment. He does not regret that. He thought it out ahead of time. It's with wisdom. Verse 10 says, In him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heaven and things upon the earth. Administration refers to a, a spiritual way of doing things. Christ is the way this new administration is going to operate. It all is about Christ and grace through faith offered in Christ. And everything will be summed up in Jesus. Ladies, in the, in the time to come, in the future, 
Any, Jesus says in John 15, 5, if you abide with me, you're, you're going to be very fruitful. In other words, if you're going to do everything with him, arm in arm, lock, step, it's going to count for all eternity. I'm going to reward you. You're going to bear fruit. But apart from me, I'm just telling you right now, you can't do anything apart from me. In the end time, everything you did with Christ, everything I did, it's going to, everything was going to be summed up in Christ. And what isn't of Christ, it's going to be burned up at the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to talk about that next week. But everything is about Jesus. Verse 11 says we have an inheritance. We've also obtained an inheritance according to him who purposes, who works all things together after the counsel of his will. We've obtained this inheritance. The word um, obtained means to cast lots or to choose someone. Here we go with that similar word and definition of predestined. So it would be like, you know, if I took a, a jar or something and put sticks in it and there was one little stick in it or one red stick in it and I shook it up and I threw it at the floor and the red stick fell at Laura's feet I would say well the lot's been cast for Laura so she gets whatever it is I'm offering and so that it's that type of thing obtained an inheritance is a casting of lots so to speak but 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 the definition says that it was not by chance but because of the gracious and sovereign decision of God Almighty to select, no chance was taken. The lot was ordained where the lot would fall. So again, we're getting into that trifle dish dessert of salvation. It's very, you've got so many components. God freely favors you. The word predestined means freely favors you as an object of mercy. Let that sink in. God favors you. Verse 12 says, To the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. The word praise means applause, approval. Philippians 4, 8 says, Think on and dwell on things worthy of praise, meaning worthy of approval and applause. Think often about your salvation. It is worthy of praise. It is worthy of praise. We should do everything for the praise of his glory. Wash dishes, change diapers, cook dinner, shopping at city market. <laughs> we should do everything for the praise of his glory because we have this amazing, unfathomable salvation that he gave us. So everything we do should be done with Jesus, abiding with him, and to the praise of his glory. All of the ordinary things in life should be done in an extraordinary way, meaning with Jesus, to the praise of God's glory. Verses 13 and 14 says, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. Here we have that phrase again, to the praise of his glory. This is so exciting. Salvation means deliverance from sin. Sealed is an amazing definition. It means to seal or mark a thing. To show as a token of its authenticity. In the olden days, they would send letters and put wax and, you know, they'd imprint a seal on it to show, hey, this is from Debbie Dittrich. This is my seal. To show this is authentic. It's from me. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. He's a seal. The Holy Spirit is also the earnest money. 
Have you ever paid a down payment for a house or for a car or something? It's called earnest money. It means, hey, I'm really serious about making this transaction complete. So here's $10,000 to buy your house just to show you I'm serious here and then we'll get the, the loan process started. But I just want to prove that I'm serious. The Holy Spirit is God saying, I'm serious about making you mine. In fact, I'm going to put my spirit in you. It's God's down payment. It's a gift graciously given, not secured by negotiation. We didn't come to a meeting with God and say, okay, we're here to talk about the spirit. Now listen, here's what we're willing to do to get the spirit. And if you're not willing to do it, here's what we're going to do if you don't give it to us. It wasn't some negotiation. God graciously gave us this spirit. Because of his graciousness, not because we negotiated to receive the Spirit. And the word pledge, I absolutely love it. The Holy Spirit is the pledge of our inheritance. This word means earnest money, a pledge, something which stands for part of the price paid beforehand to confirm the transaction. The Spirit is given in this present life to assure our future and eternal inheritance. And here's my very favorite part. The word pledge in modern day Greek is engagement ring. Is that cool or what? The spirit is our engagement ring from Jesus. Did you, if you ever got an engagement ring, I don't know if you're like me, but I just looked at it and, and held it in the light. And if I was talking to you, I might go, hi, how are you today? Gosh, it's good to see you. <laughs> you know, I want you to see my ring. I, I just want to go, oh, it's hot in here. Oh, my goodness. You know, I just want to constantly show my hand this way so that you can see my engagement ring. We have the spirit. Do you, do you reveal him to others? Do you let him control you? Meaning, are you surrendered to him and you let him have his way with you? He's your engagement ring. He's your pledge. Do you ever think about that magnificence in you, the spirit? He comforts you, guides you, convicts you, helps you, teaches you, prays for you. It's amazing. The Holy Spirit is absolutely amazing. He's guaranteeing the inheritance. He's the down payment. And I just have this question. I'm not trying to say this is exactly what this means. This is my thought. If he's the down payment, and there's going to be more to come, if the Spirit's the down payment, and he does work in me, can't you testify to that? Hasn't he led you to do something? Like pick up the phone and, like Amy Lively texted me last night, I want you to know I'm praying for you tomorrow. And at the exact moment I needed to know, I was just struggling a little bit. That's my nature. And her prayer for me, her text to me, was God's way of saying, Debbie, I love you. Chill out. I got this. Someone, I've already called someone to pray for you. Do you see that? That's a token of the Holy Spirit in her at work to get her to text me at that exact moment so I could be blessed. So if it's only the down payment, what will the full thing look like? Remember, there's going to be a what? A marriage feast. And we're going to drink the cup of consummation. What happened on the night, on your wedding night? You consummated your marriage with your husband in a physical way. What will happen at the marriage feast of the lamb when we, the bride, there will be a consummation. I am only wondering here. I'm not saying this is true. I'm just saying I'm wondering. Will it be that I will be literally overtaken by the Holy Spirit, which is Jesus Christ? 
that now I'm really one with him. I've tried to be one with him. I've tried to do what he said he wanted me to do, but now it's different. Now I literally hear his voice. Amy, I don't know how God worked in her to get her to text me last night, but maybe she felt a pressing in. Maybe she heard a voice. I don't know. God works in strange ways through his spirit. But what will it be in eternity when we're united with him forever in marriage? Will this be this constant talking to you? It's not vague anymore. Gee, was that the spirit? Should I text Debbie? Should I not? It's, it's plain as day. He's speaking to you. He's talking to you. You're talking to him for all eternity, united with the maker of the universe. What, what is in, lies in, in waiting for us? I don't know, but it is incredible. This Holy Spirit is just the beginning. There's more to come. I can't wait. I don't know what it is, but I can't wait. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Please. Les and I wore out our wedding ring. And so I went to the Christian bookstore and bought this little ring. Yes. And it was silver. I didn't want silver because I wore most of gold. What color is it now? It's gold. And on it, it says I can do all things. What? Oh, my gosh. Wow. So for those of you that didn't hear, her rings wore out. She and her husband's, my husband's wedding ring wore out as well. He wears his dad's ring now. And she says they got new rings, new band, and it was silver. She didn't like it. And it turned, it's turned gold over the years. And inside it, inside it says, I can do all things through Christ. And then she has a bigger ring that's um, got birthstones of the children. And Les's birthstone is in the middle, the bigger one. Yes, ma'am. Wow. And had you texted me an hour before that, I was in Salida, and actually we got home late. We had some chores to run, and I would have, I would have totally not, that, I would have said, oh, great, thank you. But I got home, and it was like 8 or something. I don't know. I could look at my text, 745, and I looked at my notes because I've done several chapters already, and what I didn't realize, I, I spent all last week working on Ephesians. Every day in my little trailer, I told my granddaughter, I guess I'm trailer trash. And she said, no, you're trailer treasure. And so <laughs> to get out of the house, I, I went to our little trailer so I could have, you know, time alone. Um, but I didn't finish my notes for this chapter. I, I went on to chapters two and three and four, and I was having such a blast. And I thought, oh, I'm ready. I'm just going to read over my notes. And I was like, ah, they're not really done. Oh, my gosh, I didn't finish. What was I thinking? So I kind of panicked for a few seconds, and I was praying, like, okay, I don't have to panic. I've got everything I need. But then Amy's text came through, and I thought, yes, Lord, you're, you're on top of it. You're showing me you're on top of it. You've got people praying for me. You're telling me that I don't have to worry about this because there's a tsunami of grace coming to help me get this finished tonight. And so, yes, so that's how that works. Um, then we come to this great prayer in Ephesians in chapters, uh, in verses 15 through 23. I love this prayer. It's one of my favorite prayers. There's another favorite prayer we'll find in chapter 3. Maybe you're aware of it. It's the one that says he's able to do more than we ever asked for or imagine according to the power that's at work within us. I love that. But this is another prayer. I'm going to read it to you. <clears throat> for this starts with verse 15. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers 
this should really convict us to pray for others, to pray for others, to not fail to remember them in our prayers. And here's what he's praying for, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Paul is saying, I want in the deep places of your spirit, in that inner person, I want you to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. Everything's about God. And Paul is saying, I'm going to pray that you understand that. That God just reveals that to you. This word eyes, that God may give you um, a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Okay, in verse 18 he says the eyes. That's your mind. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. This word eyes means um, your, your mind. It means your mind. He wants your mind to be lightened, not darkened, so that you would know what is the hope of his calling. That's what we've been talking about all morning. He's called you. He's chosen you. He's blessed you. He's redeemed you. He's forgiven you. He's lavished grace upon you. So he, Paul is saying, I'm going to pray that you get this. So that you know in that really deep place in your heart and mind that you were called and that you would know you have an inheritance. It's this amazing riches of the glory of his inheritance. What inheritance does he have for us? And I think it's himself. I don't, I, I don't know what it will look like. I think it is so multifaceted what's awaiting us that, that we cannot, it's unfathomable. We couldn't talk, describe it if we had to. It's way over and above more than we can ask or imagine. But do you ponder that? Because Paul is saying, I'm praying that you would grasp this. Because this is huge. I've been walking around just pondering that. I'm loved. I'm blessed. There's an inheritance waiting for me. And it's not tangible, although I think it will be. But the greatest inheritance is I'm going to get the full deposit of Jesus Christ in some way. Wow. You know, when you got married, I don't know about you, but I, I couldn't wait till the day Gary didn't leave anymore. He was going to be in my bed and in my home, and we would do everything together. We'd make every decision together and eat together and sleep together and all these things. This is funny. You'll love this. So we had a blended family, and I had a 15-year-old, 11-year-old, and 7-year-old. Went on our honeymoon, actually, to Deer Valley Ranch. And uh, that was so great. And so we get back home, and, and Gary has a son, and a 15-year-old son. So now we're all blended, and we're all in the same house. <laughs> and a few days later, I took my 11-year-old daughter to her piano lesson, and she said um, she didn't like her new stepbrother. He was, he's, he was stinky, you know. And they had to change rooms and, you know, group up. They didn't have their separate rooms any longer. So, <laughs> so she says, hey, Mom, um, so I know that you and Gary can sleep together. You know, she's 11, so she knows about these things, you know. So I know y'all can sleep together. I knew y'all were going to do that once you're married. But what I didn't know is that, that Ray and Gary were going to live here. So <laughs> I didn't know that part. So I'm wondering, do you think they could live in their house? But y'all could still sleep together. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? An 11-year-old. <laughs> But we're going to wake up in eternity and never be separated again from Jesus. Oh, my gosh. I just I can't even imagine what that's like. 
So Paul is saying, I'm praying that you would grasp this and you'd ponder it and you'd think about it. And in the deep places of your heart, you would know what this inheritance is going to be like. And then he said, I also want you to know what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. That word power is something that makes you capable and able. He wants you to know that. Do you ever pray that you would understand the surpassing greatness of his power toward you? Because we should. Do you ever pray for those that are struggling that you love? Lord, I just pray that they would understand your power that's at work within them. We should. We should pray that. And what kind of power is it? It is the exact same power he used to raise Jesus from the dead. I'm thinking that's enough power. Right? He says, these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. That word seated means... Um, recognizing God is recognizing Jesus with equal dignity and honor the same dignity and honor that God has so when you say Jesus is seated at the right hand of God that means God is bestowing honor on Jesus saying he has the same dignity and honor that I'm worthy of that's the same dignity and honor and where is Jesus seated right hand and where else in verse 21 far above far above all rule, all authority, and power, and dominion, and every name, all these superlatives again, that is named not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Far above means in rank. Jesus ranks above, and these are the definitions of all those words without going through them one by one. Jesus ranks above all. And remember the word all means all. All rule, all authority, all power, all dominion, all names in this way, age and in the one to come. And that means princes and chiefs among angels and celestial powers and potentates. I love that word. Meaning a monarch or a sovereign ruler. Archangels and evil angelic powers. Jesus ranks above all of them. All of them. Ephesians 2.6 says, God raised who up with him? Us. Jesus is seated above all of those authorities. And guess where we're seated? We are seated with Jesus. In the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is amazing. Colossians 3.1 says, If you've been raised up with Christ, we have been. The word if also means since. Since you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I want you all to go to, a fee, to John 14.20. John 14.20 for a minute. John 14.20. In that day you shall know. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. This was some of his last words. It was the night before he died. In that day you shall know that I am in the Father. And you are in me. And I am in you. Okay, so right now, I want you to draw a little circle on your paper. About the size of your thumbnail. Just a little circle. Anywhere. I don't, I don't care where you draw it. You're, 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 you're going to draw several circles. So keep it in 
you know, a little bit small, about the size of your thumbnail, and write the initials HS, that's for Holy Spirit, in the middle of that circle. That's identifying the Holy Spirit in that circle. Now draw a little bit bigger circle around that circle. There's a little circle, and now there's a circle around that. We're going to draw about five circles, so on your paper, leave enough room. Four circles, sorry. So one is the Holy Spirit. Then the next circle around that puts your initials in there. That's you. Now draw another circle around that and put JC or Jesus. That's Jesus. Now draw the last circle around all of that and put the word God or G, initial G there. Do you see this picture? In John 14, 20, it says, Jesus is saying, I'm in the Father. So the big circle is God. Jesus is in God. And where are you? You're in Jesus. And who's in you? Well, that would be the Holy Spirit. Look where you are. You're surrounded without and within by God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I'd say we're really protected I'm beginning to realize after doing this, there, we should fear nothing. We have, Jesus has all power over all principalities and spirits and names that can be named. And where are we? We're seated with him in rank above all of these powers. So yes, they, we may be attacked by Satan, but we don't have anything to fear. He's already won this battle. If we're attacked, it's only because God has given the enemy permission to do that. Why? So that victory, it's only for victory. It's not for defeat. You may not see that at the moment, but a few years later or maybe in eternity, you'll go, wow, I had no idea that's what you allowed that for. Wow, that's amazing. But we have nothing to fear from the enemy. I remember one time, Jersan Valsin, he's a, a missionary here in this church in Haiti. And boy, you talk about spiritual warfare in Haiti. And I was commenting on that one day, and he said, Deborah, Deborah, uh, that is spiritual warfare in America. You just don't know it as such. You know, there's, it's, all, it's all around us. They just recognize it over there as, yep, that's the devil. And we're like, oh, that's drugs. Or, ooh, that's just such immoral lifestyle. No, that would be the devil at work, big time. You see what I'm saying? So one day I got an email from, actually it wasn't Gersant, it was from somebody else on his board. And they said, please pray. There is a woman, he's at a camp, and there is a young girl who's been possessed by the devil himself, and, she, and the devil is speaking, and the name of the devil is literally um, Lucifer. Now, you know, devils, demons can in, inhabit somebody, but it's not necessarily Lucifer. But this was Lucifer, and he was asking for Gerson by name. I'm sorry, but if you're possessed by Lucifer, you know, I say, okay, demon, what's your name? And Lucifer, legion, comes out of your mouth, and he's asking for Debbie Dittrich. Uh, okay, well, I'll see you later. I mean, you know, I, that just terrified me. The thought of that absolutely terrified me. I was praying so hard all night for Gerson. I mean, I was in tears because I was terrified. He came to the States a few months later and told that amazing story. It's, it's a little bit long, so I won't. But the girl was, you know, he um, commanded the, the demon to leave. And it, it, was a, it was really incredible. But it was very obvious that Lucifer himself 
was on to Gerson Valsin, who a lot of people called the Billy Graham of Haiti. And so, you know, Lucifer doesn't want him to have, gain any territory in Haiti. So it was quite the ordeal. But I said, Weren't you ter were you terrified? Because I was terrified for you. And I'll never forget it as long as I live. Gerson is very, very black. He's not light-skinned. And so the whites of his eyes just, you know, were popping out. And, he, and those beautiful white teeth. He has an amazing laugh. And he's just so precious. And he went, ha, 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 ha. No, I'm not afraid. Of course, why would I be afraid of Satan? And I was like, because he's really bad. And he was like, no. I have all power. And I remember going, yeah, right. Like, I guess, really? Okay. But I pondered that. And yes, we do. I don't have anything to fear. You don't have anything to fear. And if we're thrown into battle and God does allow that, it's only so that you will win. And God wants to reveal his glory to others through you, through this situation. That's what's going on. I'll tell you all the situation with my granddaughter. I've talked about Sarah so much. She's an amazing woman of faith. I am not taking a stand and saying, God is doing something and this is what's going to happen. I don't know what's happening. But y'all have heard me talk about her ex-husband probably. Five DWIs, L tattooed on his forehead for loser. I mean, you know, dysfunctional. His, his name could be dysfunctional. It, it was just this crazy marriage. And he left that beautiful woman and these two children it, it was just a mess. Adultery, it was just a mess. So I don't have a high regard for this young man. I really don't. And then he, with five DWIs, he was on probation, and he kept violating his probation with more drugs and more alcohol and blah, 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 blah. And last year he went to prison, and I thought, good. Oh, it's been a long overdue. Well, it seems like God's done an doing an amazing thing in that young man. Amazing. He's come out different. I, I, my husband is very jaded after 50 years in law enforcement, and he hung up the phone the other day, and he said, was that really Todd? That didn't even sound like the same man. He calls us every day. Hey, Debbie, um, I've got this situation with the kids. I handled it this way. What do you think? Or, Debbie, could you pray for me? What does the word say about this? What does the word say about that? I want to apologize. I never loved your granddaughter. I loved myself. I'm so sorry. I'm devastated about that. Would you please forgive me? Would you pray for me? He wants to reunite with my granddaughter. Now, it's not, it's going to take a lot more than words. It's going to take a lot more than a few weeks, maybe a year or so. The only reason I'm bringing that up is to show you how God works. Five years ago, I would have said, man, the enemy is attacking. He is breaking my granddaughter's heart. Her marriage has been destroyed because of adultery and immorality and lying and dysfunction and drugs and alcohol. And I'm sick about it. The enemy has won and I'm sick about it. And for five years, this gorgeous woman, if you've never seen her, she is stunning. She could be a model. This is not a joke. She is stunningly gorgeous. Drop dead. She's not had a boyfriend in five years. How can you explain that? I can't explain that. She's always, she's had a boyfriend since she was 10. 24-7, she has a boyfriend. She breaks up with you at 3 by 3.15. There's another one. Trust me. That's how she operated. That's how I operated. I taught all of my girls well. Ha, ha, ha. Um, how did she stay single? I'm not making a statement here of, oh, well, that's because he's going to reunite them. But I think there is a chance. I don't know. I'm not saying for sure. I'll tell you next year how I feel about that. But I'm just making a point here. Might God allow the enemy what we think is a victory? And why might he do that? So there's a greater man. He is going to destroy what Satan tried to do. 
Satan meant it for evil and God meant it for good. So whether Todd or Sarah get back together is not the point. God still means this for good. I can assure you. And it just might be that those children will get their daddy back. And a completely new man. I don't know for sure. We'll talk next year. But that's what I'm trying to talk about. We have all power. We don't need to be afraid of these devastating things for ourselves, for our children, for our friends. God is at work. And where is Christ seated? Far above every name that can be named. And where are you seated? And where are your friends seated? And those of you that you love in Christ? Well, they're seated with Christ. God is without and Jesus is next and then you're in Jesus and the Holy Spirit is in you. you the, we are protected. We don't have anything to fear. Yes. It just occurred to me that when Jesus was sending out his disciples, he told them that you will do great things like these. In fact, you will do greater things than I have done. Right. Right. I think uh, you're, this, what you're saying is reminding me that I have the power of the Holy Spirit within. Yes. And that I can do great things too. Yes. Because I have. Jesus. And let me tell you what the great thing is: we it, raising people from the dead. Well, that's just great. Bringing people from, you know, having leprosy and healing them, that's just great. Breaking bread and feeding 5,000, that's just great. But Jesus didn't say that. He said greater than. Let me tell you something. All those people that, Lazarus, Lazarus died. That wasn't a done deal. So something was greater than even raising people from the dead. And I'll tell you what it is. It is the eternal life that I just was talking to you about. That's the greater than. Because you're going to live forever. There's no more dying after that. You are now going to live forever. So the greater things that the disciples did that you and I can do is lead people to Christ. What's also great? Well, it's this indwelling of the Spirit that can do more in me than I ever asked for or imagined according to the power that's at work in me. Last night, I know that might sound corny. I don't know how y'all view me, but I am truly an insecure, fearful person. God is changing me. I don't think that way anymore. I did have a, a few minutes last night of that old Debbie going, oh my gosh, I can't do this. Oh my gosh, I'm not prepared. Oh my gosh, it's 8.30. I've got to get some sleep. How am I going to do this? And I thought, well, I know exactly how I'm going to do it. I'm not going to fall for the lie. It happens every single time I teach that you can't do this. I can do this in Christ. I absolutely can do this in Christ. And he's going to be glorified tomorrow. It doesn't have anything to do with Debbie Dittrich. It has to do with the power of the Holy Spirit working in me because I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. You see what I'm saying? This magnificent salvation and this magnificent fill, filling so that we can do more, greater things than even Jesus did because the things I'm doing this today is an eternal work of God. But you have gifts. We're going to talk about that too in these lessons. What did God call you to do? Because it's, it's eternal. It's going to last forever. He's going to fill you with power to do that. Sally's been called to pray. We talked about that a few weeks ago. That's her gift. And it's not Sally that decided I'm going to glorify God in this way. It was God that called her to do that. And she does glorify him. Why? Because she's some spiritual saint and strong. No, because God empowers her to get up early and pray for two hours. Thank you very much. It has nothing to do with Sally, does it? It's Jesus. So what am I admiring about Sally? I'm giving praise to the glory of God at work in Sally. Who does all things to the praise of his glory. Do, are you... Are you understanding this is all about God? 
It's all God's will and decision and doing and power. And then Jesus said, yes, I'll go to the cross because I love them and I want to be united with them forever. She's my bride. That's what this is all about. I, it's all about him. I want to go through some of these verses. It is all about God. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the spirit. And we know that because of the, the use of the the pronouns, he and him and his. Listen to this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of whose will? His will. To the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of whose grace? His grace, which he lavished upon us. In, his, in all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, meaning Jesus, he meaning God purposed in Jesus, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things upon the earth, in him we've obtained an inheritance being predestined according to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will to the end that we were the first to hope in Christ should be to the praise of what his glory in him after listening to the message of truth the gospel of your salvation and believe you were sealed in him the Holy Spirit of promise who's given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view of the redemption to God's own possession that's you and me we, we belong to him to the praise of what his glory and then it goes on to say I pray that the eyes of your heart may uh, be enlightened so you would know what is the hope of his calling what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints of the greatness of his power uh, according to the working of his might which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand far above all rule and so forth he put meaning God all things in subjection under his feet meaning Jesus and gave him Jesus as head over all things to his church that's you and me which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all it is all about God working through Jesus through the Spirit. We should go around with our mouths dropped open, gaping every day, going, my Lord and my God, are you kidding me? You chose me, you predestined me, you adopted me, you loved me, you lavished me with grace, you've sealed me with the Spirit. I don't know what that means, but it's going to be amazing. There's going to be something coming after that that's something. It's amazing. And I'm seated with you in the heavenlies far above every name that can be named in this age or in the one to come. That's a good place to be sitting. And how much power do I have working in me? All power. Same power used to raise Jesus from the dead so that I can do even greater things than Jesus. Ladies, it's amazing. It is amazing. If you aren't amazed, you should be amazed. I've given you one of your handouts is application questions. You know what? There's no homework. Take it or leave it. But consider reading this um, a chapter of Ephesians a day. Uh, consider re reading chapter 1 this week. I don't know. Or, or go move on to chapter 2. There's some questions to ask yourself. Like, 
you could ask, there's four questions. Ask yourself a question a day or just ponder these things. Don't let it just escape you because I've just given you probably months worth of preaching. I can't even imagine how much deeper we could go, but uh, there is so much to chew on. Capture it, hold on to it. Ask the Lord to help you hold on to it. So let me just close us in prayer. Lord, thank you for our amazing salvation. Thank you for your plans and your purposes and your goodness and your kind intentions and your willingness and the Holy Spirit. And thank you for the things to come that are unimaginable. Uh, Lord, we love you. I just pray that you'd give each of us the ability to recall what we've heard today. And I pray that you would give us the ability to um, just ponder these things and to grab hold of these things and to live differently and to understand the power that's at work in us. Um, wow. Lord, we just thank you for this book and these words of truth today in Jesus' name. Amen.